0: I'm Alexander Price, and you're listening to Machine Elf Radio. On this week's episode, I spoke with my friend Corey, who's just a brilliant guy. Um, he studies uh like intellectual history at stanford and uh the way i met him was that we were taking a class on joyce together at columbia and like every time he raised his hand and spoke i mean it was a big class but like whenever he spoke up everything he said was just like so smart and so memorable that i felt like i just really wanted to be his friend you know we ended up eventually going different directions but still have kept in touch a little bit now and then and uh and so for this week we uh got together on skype and talked about the ancient greek myth of persephone and its relationship with the initiation ritual into the eleusinian mysteries which was like a, a mystery cult a mystery religion in ancient greece in ancient greece if you felt like you wanted to come closer to a deity you could voluntarily uh choose to um be initiated into their um mystery cult it wasn't required but the eleusinian mysteries were the biggest one that uh uh was was um tied up very closely with the uh, athenian identity with the, with the identity of the people of athens and every year they would Undertake this huge procession on foot from Athens to the nearby town of Elosis. and and that was where they would uh, go through this uh, experience of initiation and so that 's what uh, Corey and I talk about on this episode and we talk about um, the role that psychedelics could have played in that initiation ritual or even just the um, how compelling the metaphor of the uh mystery initiation ritual is uh which what, is what a compelling metaphor that is for the psychedelic experience and also for shamanic initiation or shamanic journeys how they're all kind of interconnected in some in some kind of profound meaningful way so tell me what you've been thinking about persephone and abduct an alien abduction
1: well it's not necessarily like an insight that I had. It's it is sort of just a a factual basic literal description of the myth of Persephone. Well,
0: before bef- before you jump into it even could you even just like for, if people don't know the story of Persephone just give like the mm-hmm. elevator the elevator version?
1: Yeah, the elevator version is that Persephone, who's the daughter of Demeter, is hanging out with some friends. I think, with some friends in a field, uh, in a field in an area called Nysus. And they're frolicking around in the flowers. And Persephone picks a really fascinating, amazing, special flower. Um, And as soon as she does that, the earth yawns open and Hades comes out and grabs her abducts her and escorts her down into the underworld um where he uh makes her his bride Um, and this was this was actually we learn later in the myth that this was actually pre-arranged by the olympian gods uh i think zeus knew about it and zeus is like when when persephone's mom goes to zeus to complain about it zeus is like yeah like there's this, there was the steel made. Persephone's going to Hades. Don't it's not that bad. Hades is like a cool god. Hades has a lot of power. Don't it's be his brother.
0: Too. It's his brother.
1: Yeah, they're brothers. Yeah.
0: Um, and where is this myth? Is it in Ovid or is it a, another source?
1: The Homeric Hymns. Okay. Uh, which are sort of a mysterious task of attributing them to an author uh, like like all of Homer's writings. But they're but, uh, traditionally
0: yeah, attributed to Homer, and it's uh, the the Homeric hymn to Demeter to to Demeter. Demeter yeah. yeah.
1: The the larger story of how I encountered or became interested in this story is um, that well, the place I'm reading from right now, uh, this uh, myth is reprinted in this book. Uh, about the eleusinian mysteries
0: yeah uh, who's the author
1: so the author there's a bunch of authors um i think it's just three of them made this hypothesis that the mysteries at eleusis were based around um the ingestion of a quote-unquote psychedelic compound or an entheogenic compound.
0: Okay. So also like mentioned like the, the Eleusinian mysteries, what's their connection to the myth of Persephone? Okay.
1: Yeah that's that's where we go next. Yeah. So so the Myth of Persephone is the symbolic underpinning of the Eleusinian mysteries.
0: Yes. In, Helena in, Foley at, at at Barnard, she uh um is most famous for, uh, arguing that the, the, the hymn to Demeter, which tells the story of Persephone is actually like, uh, uh, follows the, the progression of the initiation of the initiation ritual.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's, that's great. I would love to read that. Um, I, the book that I've been looking at also makes those connections. Okay. So, but before, before we get to that, um, in even in the myth itself, Eleusis is, is there. Um Ele- Eleusis is the place where Demeter goes to uh like mourn like she's she she like looks a bunch of places, she goes all around and like tries to find Persephone, and Eleusis is where she goes to mourn. And I think uh, we
0: mentioned already that uh that Demeter is her mother. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yes.
0: So she's mourning the, the death of her daughter or loss of her daughter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so, so the, the actual ritual at Eleusis, it's hard to trace when it started. Uh, it kind of seems to trail off into pre, into prehistory a little bit.
0: Yeah. Like a dream.
1: Sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but from the start, it was always organized, by the symbolic structure of this myth, uh, and I think they really just go hand in hand the mysteries and the myth. Um, and so the people who would attend Eleusis they would, they would have received preparatory like learning about the myth. Uh, apparently, there was some like maybe more like secret inner, inner meaning or inner, inner layers of teaching about what that myth meant that yeah. they would get. Um, but then the actual initiation was sort of a repetition or reiteration of the abduction uh, of Persephone. So the Athenian or whoever, the, the Greek people, they get, come to Athens and they like get lodging there uh, and they prepare. And then they do a pilgrimage on this road uh-huh. that's supposedly the oldest road in Greece or like the most uh the longest maintained road, and it's the road between Athens and Eleusis. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do this pilgrimage. And, if, and... I'm, if
0: I'm not mistaken, the word Eleusis is uh, related to the Greek word for freedom.
1: Oh, interesting. Uh, I haven't heard that. that, I, that I believe cool.
0: that it is, but it's also uh, so it's the name of a nearby city near Athens that they're walking to.
1: Yeah, on the I, sort I actually... of Symbolic pilgrimage.
0: symbolic mm-hmm. pilgrimage. Yes, and they do it every year
1: yeah it happens twice a year there's the lesser mysteries and the greater mysteries the lesser mysteries happen in the spring and the greater mysteries happen in the fall and it's kind of like if you do the lesser mysteries and you want you like want to go to the next level then you come back in the autumn um and since you mentioned the meaning of elusis i I actually just found something that said that the meaning of elusis is arrival it could be something connoting like a Emerge, like advent or event,
0: and so you think, think that? that you think that the that all of these uh, Athenians were going to uh, uh, making the pilgrimage to Eleusis twice a year to take some kind of like intense psychedelic, which isn't like uh, uh, such a wild idea. But is that what you're saying?
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't really know what the alternative hypothesis is, and. Uh... I don't know. I'm certainly not an expert. I'm not like a classicist, but even if, even if we don't like establish a solid, like evidential connection between the, the mysteries and a drug still, I think, uh, it's just a really interesting symbolic framework that'll, that gives us an insightful interpretation of psychedelic experience. Um, yeah. Even if that's not actually what happened, it's un, it works uncannily well, like all the symbolism, Yeah. Uh, just works super well and it kind of illuminates what the psychedelic experience does
0: yeah and there's something about that like a, a near-death experience as mm-hmm. a kind of rebirth that um, uh, is a, a, a part of like the the psychedelic experience whether you're going for it or not, if you're just doing it as, like, something fun on the weekend or you're intending it to be a spiritual experience one way or the other, you're having the same experience of, like, taking a trip away from who you used to be and coming back a different person.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's the question of whether uh, it keeps working if you do it over and over again, whether it keeps having this rejuvenating effect. Is that one way to interpret the the strict ban and the strict the script prescriptions around the mysteries of Eleusis? You could just see it as, well, it works best. It only works perhaps when it's done in a very carefully controlled way and done rarely. Um, and you could interpret this whole Alcibiades episode where he took it out to the public and started doing it more regularly. You could interpret that as a sort of a like. Like his his breach of the sanctity of the mysteries can be interpreted as just like doing it too often and it doesn't maybe it just doesn't do it doesn't work if you do it too often, or like bad effects come if you do it too often <laughs> and it ceases to rejuvenate or becomes like more destructive.
0: Yeah. It also seems like it just cheapens it to be doing it in a, in a symposium rather than, you know, as part of some grand uh religious ritual.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to jump back to that Plutarch quote, he, he describes the mysteries. He says, there's a moment of quitting where there's terror and shuddering fear, but then after that, there's a light that moves to meet you yeah. and meadows that receive you and yeah. songs and dances and apparitions. Another interesting thing uh, is that Plato's, Plato's famous, uh, it's called the myth of Air. Uh, it happens at the end of the, the Republic. And it's sort of this like super cosmic, trippy vision of someone who goes, who dies on the battlefield and then goes to the afterlife yeah. and sees what's to be seen there and then comes back. Uh, and that's uh, often described as like people have often speculated that Plato derived that vision from uh, the mysteries, the Eleusinian mysteries. Yeah. Uh, but in that, in that, story, the myth of air. It's also kind of similar to, uh, like this sort of, uh, vision of a divine meadow or like, um, a a realm of light, uh, an apparition and dance. Um, it's also
0: interesting that like, if this like, uh, um, end of the road paradise is, um, you know, Envisioned as as a field or a meadow, which is like how the Persephone story starts off too. Like the uh, the whole journey for her s- starts being abducted from this like Disney meadow. Mm-hmm. You know, she is kind of a Disney princess there too. In that moment, like uh, when when Helen Foley was teaching uh, the first class I I took on class classical mythology was with her. It, it, at Columbia, and and she was uh, saying, whenever you see a, a young girl in a meadow in a Greek myth, like you know, something bad's about to happen. <laughs> it's always a setup for like some uh, tragic twist of fate.
1: Uh, I guess, like the basic structure, like symbolic stitch, I want to make is that there's a connection between abduction and fertility. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh, tell me more.
1: Um, you get just you. Okay. You lose something in order to gain something. You get uh, ripped, ripped apart, or uprooted, in order that roots can return, uh, or in order that a renewal can happen. Um, so. Like an absence or a draining is a precondition for renewed presence um, and in that sense, I think it's really interesting that Eleusis in Greek means uh, arrival or advent
0: yeah
1: it's a site it's a site at which the process of advent is performed or practiced, and if we look at it, we can zoom in on how that process or procedure is, is done and it's done through this sort of abduction ritual or, uh, like a, dist- like a destructive ritual or, um...
0: it seems strange though that everybody who's, uh, uh, going through the initiation though, is there voluntarily? Like nobody's being abducted in this, uh, uh, like re reliving of the myth.
1: They're not, yeah, they're doing it by choice. Um, I mean, they're, they understand what they're doing on the model of an abduction, but they are choosing to do it. That's certainly true. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's also, you know, an extremely codified thing. Uh, I mean, we were talking about like the the lack of control or the, like the loss of control in this experience.
0: Uh
1: If you look at the, the ritual, it's actually an extremely controlled situation, um, you know, it's a thousand, many, several thousand-year-old uh, procedure that's followed to the letter. Um, everything's in place. It's a, it's a space. It's a, it's a practice that generates a space that very carefully holds a, a possibility for disruption, um, like a. Uh, you see what I'm trying to get out it's a it's a very carefully stitched situation that's intended to allow a sort of unstitching or a uh you know obliteration
0: so what you know what we were kind of touching on here was the parallel between alien abduction. And uh, this ancient Greek myth about the abduction of Persephone. Um, mm-hmm. And I had also noticed that there were. It's not uncommon within, uh, you know, uh, studies uh, within uh, communities that practice some kind of shamanism that uh, uh, someone might be kidnapped by spirits, which is something that you hear a lot in, uh, stories of shamanic initiation, like when, when shamans go through the, uh, the training process of becoming a shaman, which can Mm -hmm. involve all of these kinds of practices we've been talking about, like fasting, uh, psychedelics, uh, chanting, all kinds of mind altering practices that, um, at some point their ancestors come and, uh, take them away and perform surgeries on them. A lot of times they'll, uh, Remove all of their insides and replace them with something else hmm.
1: like but, uh, an excavation, like an excavation and a replacement
0: <laughs> well, and it's so interesting because like a lot of this i've even seen start, i'm starting to see these themes coming up in more mainstream religious stories, like the story of the prophet Muhammad, his night journey to mm-hmm. heaven um mm. You know, he has this experience where he lays down in bed and some people say it was a dream. My Sheikh used to say, no, it wasn't a dream. But the second he uh, closed his eyes, instantly the angel Gabriel appeared to him and said, you know, come, we're going. And uh, uh, took him, They, they at first rode from, was it Mecca or Medina? From, from... From from Mecca, I think to um, to Jerusalem on this uh, magical horse called the Barak.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: Barak. Barak B U R A Q, Barak. Okay. So it's and and it's uh, you, you can find especially in Persian art all of these images of the the winged horse and it has a human face. Um, that that that. Uh, that he rode on on during the night journey, and this is another very 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 common theme in uh, shamanic journeys that, uh, there will, that they travel on some kind of uh, magical horse uh, to the tree at the center of the world, mm-hmm. um, which is what the Temple Mount in Jerusalem is. It's oh. it's the mountain of God where um, the the garden of eden used to was i mean i'm not sure like I, I'm, I'm piecing together different things that i've heard um this isn't necessarily the official orthodox jewish version of the story but i think that that it's the, uh, the correct ancient version um was that uh the garden of eden was located on the mountain of god which is identified with um the temple mount and so like him taking this uh night journey on the magical horse to the tree at the center of the universe you know is as a very shamanic story which you know that really strikes me how much that uh is present even uh not just in uh you know like with with shamanic journeys you associate them mostly with uh uh you know magical practitioners in very small indigenous villages versus this is one of the biggest uh world religions uh, of all of human history um It's really interesting for me that that you know that there are those 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 same critical elements of the story you can find them if you uh if you really look they're they're they're, they're there
1: and all of them involved in abduction, where you have to be stolen, or the an in initial context has to be disrupted, or there has to be a trauma. You could say.
0: There's that. so like when uh, when Abraham when Abraham leaves his uh, home to go to Egypt, the name of the like I think gosh I can't even remember I think it's God who tells him. Uh, Lech which is usually translated, I think, as like go forth from mm. from the land of your fathers, um, but like the more mystically minded uh, interpreters, like the Kabbalists and the uh, um, uh, the Hasids, translate this hyper literally. Like lech in Hebrew, like you, it, it can mean like go forth, but they 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 translate it hyper literally to mean, uh, go to yourself. So, mm. so, so God is telling him, like, you have to leave the house of your father and go out and find yourself, it is kind of, uh, um, the way they understand that. And it's something Please, that.
1: Yeah. Leave the house of your father?
0: Yeah. To find yourself. And, um, this is. Something that cycles through so many different stories, from like the Garden of Eden. There's a there's an Exodus where they're sent out from the house of their uh, I guess who, depending on who you talk to, their father or their mother and their father. Um, if you ask me, it's their mother and their father. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: or in the, in the in the New Testament, Jesus says. if you want to follow me you have to abandon you have to basically forget your whole past life you have to be willing to abandon your father and mother only then can you see what i'm saying and i mean uh if jesus is an abductor he he, he's a the the fisherman type he's a he's sending a he's putting a little lure down into the world and pulling you out trying to fish up your soul right yeah to maybe try to weave this back into like the, the myth a little bit and the symbolism of abduction and what happens down in Hades. So supposedly, um, so after all these initiatory processes, like the fasting and then the drinking of the potion, everyone starts to have this kind of collective vision and what's seen in the vision gets interpreted as the, the rebirth of, well, the birth of Persephone's, like, child by Hades. Like, supposedly, there's, like... Um, yeah, you, you see Persephone giving birth. Um, and um, it's interesting to note also that the the myth itself is from the broadest perspective, it's kind of an attempt to explain why the crops grow. Like it's an attempt to explain nature's fertility. And like
0: And also why uh plants die in the winter and are return in the spring.
1: Right, right. So it's some sort of account of why there's like a, a death necessary before a renewal happens. Um or why there's an abduction that's necessary before a renewal so, like, an absence, um, like, something has to be uprooted or stolen away in order for a new cycle to begin, um, which I think resonates really strongly with the psychedelic experience. Like, uh, you kind of, you kind of, yeah, you, you die or you are stripped down to nothing or, like, you're, you know, the the self-certainty that that you projected onto the world is is radically disrupted uh or you're, everything is scrambled like you you lose control but only through that loss of control or that abduction or seizure of your control only through that is it possible for this kind of revelatory blossoming effect it's
0: mm. uh, so interesting like when my first uh time trying psychedelic too like i experienced a really uh, I don't know, a deep sense of liberation from that uh, feeling of being out of control. Like, not, not it's not the experience of losing control, but, like, knowing that I was on... Like, before anything, before any of it started, just knowing that I was on this journey that I couldn't stop now. And, mm. like, and that I just had to go with it. Like, there was something deeply, deeply liberating in that moment that lasted for 10 years, maybe. Um, yeah. 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 And I was also just thinking today about <laughs> the idea of the end of the world. And cause I've been thinking, uh, um, a lot about anarchism and, um, and control, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, I guess like there, I, I was thinking today about how there are two really different ways of thinking about the end of the world, and one of them is this apocalyptic vision that like, uh, you know, the zombies come back and like people are uh, blowing each other's heads off with sawed-off shotguns over a can of gasoline, and like it's this like a, 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 like a like a apocalyptic apocalyptic nightmare. But then I think that. Uh, the, like, even though people associate anarchism with chaos, like the anarchist vision of the end of the world, like the world meaning oppressive uh, coercion, uh, that that what comes after the loss of control is a kind of paradise, you know, mm-hmm. this like egalitarian um, cooperative village life. Mm-hmm. So they strike me as two two different ways of of looking forward to the end of the world. Is like that loss of control can be a very beautiful experience and, and very peaceful. <laughs>